has its source and origin in the great system of Tantra, which was conceived more than 4,000 years before Christ. It will be very difficult for the people of West to accept the reinterpretation or the correct interpretation of Tantra in the light of yoga, which I am going to put for this evening. To a lay man in India or in the Western countries, Tantra means a kind of ceremony which includes such things which are not very much acceptable in a respectable society, such as uh, playing or playing with all those peculiar things such as the skull of an animal or the skull of a man and many dirty things. But those who are sincere students of Tantra Shastra, they find that this great system of Kriya Yoga has emerged out of the vast body of this system. It is not only Kriya Yoga, but even Hatha Yoga, Pranayama, Mantra Yoga, Ajapaja, Kundalini Yoga, Nadi Yoga, Trata, Yoga Nidra, even the practices of inner silence and antaramon are offshoots and derived from the vast body of Tantra. What we know in the West and the East by the word Yoga, the same is meant by the word Tantra. Rather, Tantra is the basis, Tantra is the basis and Yoga is an offshoot of Tantra. The science of Mantra about which we have heard a lot from time to time is not a part of Bhakti Yoga or the path of devotion but it is an essential part of Tantric system without the system of Mantra the system of Tantra doesn't exist. The word Tantra literally means uh, a stretching, rather expansion and liberation. Expansion plus liberation is Tantra. The etymological uh, structure of this word Tantra conveys two great ideas or the two great processes. The first process is the process of expansion and the other is the process of liberation or release. And then when we say Tantra Yoga, it means a yoga which includes the practices for the expansion of individual consciousness and then finally liberating the consciousness from the fold of prakriti or the nature of the matter. The whole tantric system or the whole system of tantra can be said very simply to be the native place or the native home of all the yogic sciences wherever you may find them in India, in Tibet, in China, 
Japan, Southeast Asia, or anywhere, the tantric system is the native system, is the father or the mother system. The ultimate purpose of tantra is to provide a layman with the practices easy and difficult according to his social, moral and intellectual structure for the spiritual realization, for the expansion of his personal self, the small self, and finally making him free from the bondages of maya, prakriti and unreality. The tantra suppose, and it is true, that everybody is not a second and that everybody is not capable of making uh, great austerities or the acts of renunciation and practice the rigorous system of life. But at the same time, everyone has the right to become aware of the highest consciousness in him. Sometime back in Western countries and also in the Eastern countries, and sometimes even today also, people feel that the practices of yoga are not meant for everyone, they are only meant for recluse and for renunciates and for those who are celibates or brahmacharyas. But the system of Tantra has brought this light unto us that it is not true, yoga being an inseparable part of Tantra is practicable, is approachable by each and everyone irrespective of its attainments. There are some people who say that in the Tantric system of yoga you, have, you include the sexual life and the wine and the meat, flesh and such other things and therefore this is not a pure system. This is not a pure yoga. This is not a higher yoga. And as such, we do not want this tantric yoga. We want something better. But this is a wrong conception. The practices of tantra are divided according to the guna, according to the internal quality of the aspirant, which are three, the sattvic, that is to say, the pure ones, rajasic, the dynamic ones, tamasic, and the lazy, ignorant, and slothful people. According to their qualification, the practices of tantra are divided, classified. Whereas the person with saintly qualities may observe continence and refrain from taking such undesirable diet. Yet there are the practices of Tantra for the evolution of his consciousness. But that doesn't mean that a man who has not completely moral and ethical and who has not corrected his diet and so on has no right. He can also practice the system of Tantra or Tantric Yoga, but then the practices are slightly different. The object of Tantric Yoga or the object of the practices of Tantra 
is not only to do some slothful work or to practice something like that, but the ultimate purpose is to identify yourself with the highest consciousness, to realize that highest consciousness and to render this lower mind free from all the limitations that it is suffering from and attached to. The symbolism of Tantra, which you see in the form of yantras, with the diagrams, and in the form of pictures of animals and men, all these symbolic expressions are indicative of the planes of human consciousness or the state of psychic evolution or involution of man where you are standing during the process of expansion and fusion. Now, take for instance how the Tantra tries to expand and liberate the consciousness by the practices of Mantra Yoga. This will be my one example. When you accept a mantra from your spiritual master, you must be sure that he knows the mantra. Not only that he knows the mantra, he knows what a mantra is as different from alphabets, A, B, C, D. Now, the word mantra does not mean word. Contemplation and repetition. The guru who knows the science of sound and the composition of a mantra in relation to the elements, in relation to the sound vibrations and so on, he knows as to what is the right, what is the proper mantra for an aspirant and accordingly he should initiate the aspirant into the mantra. The expert guru who knows the science will provide you with a mantra which will help you to expand your consciousness, to bring about a state of integration in the pattern of your consciousness which is completely dissipated and which is completely imperceptible. And therefore it is said that the aspirant should not take mantra unless he is aware of and unless he is convinced of the vast knowledge of this system concerning his guru. Because it is not only a respectable man, it is not only a godly or saintly man, but tantra being a science, it is an expert man who should be made to handle the system of mantra. Mantra plays a very important role in our spiritual life and it brings about a great change and transformation in our consciousness by the sound vibrations and so on, uh, which are intrinsically attached to the mantra. In his most unique book, The Garland of Letters, the great author Sir John Woodruff has written a lot about the sound 
its color, its frequency, its influence in diseases, and so on, according to Tantra Shastra, I think the book may be available in Danish also. I am not sure. According to Tantra Shastra, <coughs> any sound is known as Varna, which means color. For instance, Ka, it is a sound according to us. Ka. According to Tantra Shastra, it has a color. Ka, it is a sound. But it has a different color than Ka. Ga. It is not an alphabet, but it is a sound. And it has a different color. So therefore, Ka, Kha, Ga. They are different colors. They are different colors perceived by us in the form of a sound. And at the same time, it is also said that these sounds are imperishable. They do not perish. When they are accepted and assimilated by the subconscious mind, they remain there and make patterns. And those patterns are responsible for the development, expression and unfoldment of your subconscious mind and behavior. They are imperishable. Mantra, therefore, is not only a name of God. Mantra is not a name of God, as is generally misunderstood. And this error must be corrected. And you must remember that mantra is something else other than the name of God. In different centers of Ida and Pingala, in different reflex centers of Ida and Pingala, we have different sounds. And those different sounds belong to that particular chakra or the particular circle. In there are some sounds that are conducted through ira to the centers of the brain and there are other uh, sounds that are conducted through pingala to the brain and ultimately the right sound belonging to a particular structure of chakra is conducted if the nadi of the nerve is flowing properly to a certain brain center and for each brain center there is one sound that is to say every sound influences a particular center in the brain and it may also be explained this way that when a mantra is recited the construction or the compiled construction of mantra is a combination of different tattvas different elements having different velocities and intensity but in addition to that every sound has a separate influence on a particular chakra and the influence is conducted to that part of the brain which is corresponding to that particular center 
इन कुंडलिनी योजा विच इज अ पार्ट ऑफ तंत्र दे ऑलवेज टॉक अबाउट द बीज मंत्र ऑफ मूलाधार ऑफ स्वादिष्ठान ऑफ मणिपुर अलाह विशुद्धि आज्ञा एंड बिंदु वन मेन बीज मंत्र विच रेफरेंस दैट पर्टिकुलर सेंटर सच एज यम वम रम लम इन एडिशन टू दिस ईच चक्रा ईच सेंटर हैज द डिफरेंट लोज ऑफ कॉन्शियसनेस यम वम रम लम दैट इज द फोर सिलेबस ऑन द फोर साउंड देन एट साउंड देन ट्वेल्व साउंड देन सिक्सटीन साउंड देन टू साउंड All these sounds are different from each other, and they are the centers of the sound. And every sound that is produced out by our mouth or is heard has a counterpart in the center. And at the same time, the brain, so to say, I use the word brain, <coughs> or the Sahasrara chakra, has all the sounds. Has the centers. Corresponding to all the sounds, that all those sounds which were in the uh, in all the other chakras, as such, a sound is produced. Its influx is carried by the corresponding chakra in the body, and the influence is carried through ear or pingala. to that particular center in the brain which is corresponding to that particular sound those may be 56 or 64 or 86 or 108 it is a matter and therefore concluding the mantra uh, is very important for practitioners to deal and accept and receive the right mantra which will influence the whole body the entire brain and uh, and uh, influence your behavior your thinking and everything else this is what we say in tantra that with the help of mantra you can completely change yourself and you can even treat you can even cause even even cause healing in yourself and if you are powerful one you can heal others also by the right type of mantra now this mantra yoga about which i have spoken very little and in my uh, limited language is one of the most important items of tantra shastra and from this now you can understand how important is tantra shastra in your life and whether you need this tantra shastra or not you can also decide whether this tantra shastra now as expounded as expounded by me here is a fire sign or is it a horrible sign in addition to this mantra and yantra that is the system of diagrams i am going to talk to you about one most important item of tantra shastra that is the yoga nidra or psychic sleep yoga nidra as taught by us 
And without pride, I must tell you that I was the first, not only in India but abroad, to reveal this word Yoga Nidra in 1962. And this happened to be my first discovery. I'm not an inventor. This happened to be my first discovery when I was reciting, when I was revising all the tantric books. It is at that moment I came to understand that Yoga Nidra is one of the most powerful methods, not of relaxation but of awakening the degenerated brain centers. In the Yoga Nidra that I first discovered in Tantra was such a peculiar one. If I am to teach you that Yoga Nidra, I'll have to prepare you for some time with the science of sound, with the science of mantra. There are about, I don't remember at the moment, 670 sounds. There are about 670 sounds. And you can practice Yoga Nidra on those 672 or a little more, not less. 670 or more sounds and when you practice Yoga Nidra on those sounds it is as good as practicing Yoga Nidra on different centers of the brain about which you have no idea at all. There are various Yoga Nidras, the psychic sleep, the systems of psychic sleep and the purpose is first to enable a yogi to do astral projection. Two, to enable a yogi to practice long hours of meditation. Three, to enable a person to rest, relax and heal himself. And to enable him to awaken the centers of the brain by the different sounds or the different mantras which are a number of them very important and very influential. In the Tantra, the Yogidra is such an elaborate system, it is something like surveying the whole body, it is like surveying the whole body on external physical plane, that is external limbs, the internal plane, such as the heart, the lungs, the respiratory, circulatory system, and not only that, even the thoughts, emotions, and everything. Yoga Nidra begins with the external body, thumb, second finger, third, fourth, fifth, palm, etc. Ultimately, it goes to that point where you are made so sensitive to perceive colors, emotions and many other things which is difficult in the beginning. So far it has not been possible for me, although I am very much eager to take out all the different systems of Yogyudra according to different systems of Tantra for the benefit of healing, for the benefit of spiritual revival and maybe if everything goes on all right in a few years time uh, all the systems of Yoga Nidra, I think there are thousands in the 
tantric system, they will have a great use to the broken man of today. It was in Tantra that I came to discover that Yogamidra or psychic sleep can be practiced while standing, while sitting and not only while sleeping. It is in Tantra Shastra that I came to discover, I came to know that Yogamidra can be practiced with eyes open, with eyes closed, with talking, without talking, in any way you like, but Yogamidra can be practiced by awakening one end of sensation and conducting the same sensation through the sound principle or through the uh, feeling principle to the brain. Now, these mantra, out of these, I can suggest you one kind of yoga nidra. This particular yoga nidra, which we do almost in our everyday life, is not a part of any other system, but we have taken it from the body of Tantra and we are trying to propagate to the people for their physical and mental well-being. Well, the system of Tantra is very vast that what you are learning in the name of yoga so far is only Tantra and nothing else. Because yoga is not an offshoot of Sankhya but yoga is a branch of Tantra or is an offshoot of Tantra. In the name of Tantra, we are only practicing yoga. Perhaps maybe the teachers in the Western countries uh, feel very shy to tell the people they are teaching Tantra. There are 64 books on Tantra, that is to say there are 64 different systems, uh, sometimes very much different from each other. Then we talk about different practices, such as Tratak, Nadiyo, Hatyo, Kundalini, Mudra, Bandha, Pranayama. They may talk of hundreds of practices, but the fundamental uh, concept is that there are two things, the Purusha and Prakriti, consciousness and content of consciousness. Out of this, the Shakti must be awakened over the Purusha, not the consciousness. According to Hinduism, according to Hindu Tantra, it is the awakening of Shakti, it is the awakening of Prakriti, or it is the awakening of the matter force which is supposed to be most important. And this Shakti is sometimes known as Kali, and sometimes it is known as Durga, and of course it is mostly known as uh, Mother, not the mother, the wife of my father, but mother, a very high concept of Tantra. And therefore there is only a little difference between the uh, Buddhist Tantra and the Hindu Tantra. The aim of Buddhist Tantra is to awaken the consciousness, awareness of consciousness. And the aim of Hindu Tantra is to awaken the Shakti. But these are the two aspects which can be found differently and ultimately there is no difference, there is only a little difference in so far as the approach is concerned. Now, the Tantra has been introduced. There are a few books very nicely written in English and French, I'm not sure about Danish. They are the books by Sir John Utroff, who lived in India for many, many years. He definitely done a very good job and in 
Denmark we are also going to have a tantric exhibition arranged by one of my disciples, Mukul Hidbar, who is staying over here. And I think by this lecture he will also draw inspiration that the tantric art, a tantric painting, a tantric music is not only a few photographs from Jagannath Puri showing a kind of sexual act, embrace and all that, but the asanas, the pranayama, the kundalini, all sorts of chakras, the yantras, the gayatri yantra and many other things, they all concern the tantra system. Don't exclude this most beautiful and fire system only in the name of yoga. Hariyo. This great science, yoga, was born of a great philosophical system in the prehistoric period. Thousands and thousands of years have gone by. Mankind has not been able to reconcile himself. If the life in this world was conducive to spiritual progress, and every time we think of spiritual unfoldment, and every time we think of spiritual evolution, we have a quick flash, and that is renunciation of your association with life. And this has been going on for so many centuries, not only in India, but practically everywhere. We would not say that this is a mistaken concept, but definitely if a spiritual unfoldment is man's destiny, and if a spiritual awareness is inherent in every being and every man, then the life as a whole should be a way to that unfoldment. And every experience in life should be considered to be a part and partial. Every experience of joy and pain, and every experience of pleasure and passion too, should be a milestone, a stepping stone in this eternal journey to infinite awareness. But why that all man has thought for over three thousand years that for spiritual unfoldment you have to renounce your involvement, you have to renounce your association with love. But it was not so in prehistoric Vedic period when there was a great science which was known to the people definitely of this country and I'm sure was known to the people the world over. For them the whole life from involvement to attachment to detachment 
was an experience, was a vision. And this path was known as Tantra. Tantra is not a science of magic. It is not exorcism and it is not a black hypnotic magic. It is one of the most sublime philosophies that an enlightened head can ever think of. During the period of cultural and philosophical decadence throughout the world, preceded by political accidents, and remedies of time, this great science of Tantra was greatly abused. And a time came when people knew nothing right about Tantra. To them, Tantra was a secret science of witchcraft involving sex, wine, etc. You must know that very well. In our century, man has become disillusioned about his present environment. And this disillusionment is growing day by day in spite of the great propaganda going on. This illusionment has brought a man to a great question. What is the spiritual purpose of life? We know the worldly purpose of life, and everybody is engrossed in it, is committed to that. But what is the spiritual purpose of life? And if there is no spiritual purpose of life, then the very structure of religion is false. Then religions are nothing but political motivated philosophies. It is illogical, absolutely illogical to think that life has no purpose, still you have a religion and a God and a philosophy and a system. So we have to be very logical. If there is God, if there is a greater reality, if there is an infinite time and an infinite space, if the matter is not the ultimate structure of creation, if the matter is not the ultimate composition of the cosmos, then there should be a purpose, a spiritual purpose of life which Unfortunately, man has forgotten. The purpose of life is evolution. The spiritual purpose of life is evolution. And during the course of this evolution, the matter has to break into two. The gross matter pervading the speck of cosmos and the speck of cosmos and the matter which is dominating over every thought, emotion and passion and ambition and ambitions of man must be broken into two. The structure of reality is dualistic. 
not non-dualistic. Two things make one process, creation, projection, perception, and procreation, and evolution. They are the processes involving two eternal forces into one pattern, even as the electrical light here is a projection of two forces being intertwined into one, the positive and the negative electrical force. In the same manner, in the individual body, which is the microcosmic reality, the two great forces are working in absolute integration. These two forces in the microcosmic, that is the individual, is prana and the mind. To say that better is vital force, prana shakti, mental force, prana shakti, the life and consciousness. Go further. Every matter is the composition of two eternal and immortal realities. A matter is never a matter in itself. A matter has in its bosom something else by which the matter is existing in time and space. If that potentiality inherent in matter is withdrawn by some magical process, matter will cease to exist. Nothing in this world can exist without an integrated projection, integrated action of two. The philosophical concept of Tantra is that the whole microcosmos and the whole macrocosmos is an interaction of Purusha and Prakriti and more intimately Shiva and Shakti. The Shiva principle and Shakti principle, though it has been explained in terms of masculine and the feminine deities in order to have a better understanding. But let me tell you, Shiva is a force, and Shakti is a force. Shiva and Shakti, these two eternal forces in combination, in interaction with each other, are responsible for this manifested cosmos and the creation and you and me and the whole activity which we see in seeable and perceivable form as also in imperceivable form. Let us not mistake Shiva to be a masculine god and Shakti to be a feminine deity. In order to represent and explain the truth to the people, we need a kind of example and model. For that, the concept of Shiva and Shakti has been put forth 
by the mythology. But in Tantra, we always understand Shiva representing the consciousness aspect. Shakti representing the energy aspect. What if an individual is prana and manas in macrocosmos, it is Shiva and Shakti all. In other words, consciousness and energy. So we come to one conclusion. All what we see with our naked eyes and what is beyond is a play, is an interaction or coming together of consciousness and force, Shakti. Consciousness and Shakti are intermingling into each other. Therefore, those of you who have had the occasion to visit Khajuraho, Puri, and other temples, they will understand as to how in the idols, on the wall carvings, the Shiva and Shakti, masculine and feminine figure have been represented in absolute embrace of each other. The concept of embrace, as you must have seen, and you, will have, you must have seen more things, and if I have time, I can explain them. The concept of embrace is to indicate the energy, the Shakti and Shiva in absolute communion with each other. Though apparently they are two, but there are moments, there are ages when these two live together. When they live together, there is creation, there is evolution, and there is experience, and there is perception. And this world, with pain and pleasure, with pathos, with tragedies and comedies, with its own beauties and with its own idiosyncrasies, with its own glory and with its own follies, it just a maya is just a maya, it's just a maya of Purusha and Prakriti, Shiva and If one has to transcend the consciousness involving time and space, which is the quality of Prakriti, then one will have to separate these two from each other. If one has to transcend the experience of time and experience of space, the experience of name and experience of form, the experience of multiplicity, and the experience of duality, and the experience of limitation, you will have to separate these two. Purusha separate from Prakriti, Prakriti separate from Purusha, as in the science, the matter is split through a fusion, fusion and the process of fusion, split it and break it, disintegrate matter out and the matter out 
and the matter out and the matter out what remains the last age energy this is the ex this exactly is the process which we follow and this system of separation this system of separation of these two elements from each other is called tantra and that is the literal etymological meaning of tantra may i tell you then tantra is a sanskrit word it is composed of two ideas first is tanoti means expanding the other is trayati religion tantra is a word comprising of two ideas expansion and release if you explain to yourself the meaning of expansion and the meaning of release then the concept of tantra is very clear to you expanding the mind expanding the consciousness and releasing the energy the word releasing can also be defined as liberating the energy therefore tantra is a system of philosophy in which the mind is to be expanded by the practices and finally the energy is released it is made free from the shackles of matter so in tantra philosophy we are taught the system of yoga yoga is a practical system of tantra and tantra is a philosophical explanation of yoga yoga and yoga is practical system and tantra is the philosophical explanation there are quite a few important things which we have to understand in order to be able to understand this system better i can only go through the whole thing quickly but definitely i request all of you to acquaint yourself with the tantric philosophy and the yogic practices since now we are engaged in seeking a higher state of existence mantra is the first important element in tantra by mantra we do not mean the name of a particular god or goddess mantra is a combination of sounds mantra is a combination of vibrations in order to awaken the potential energy in man and the system of mantra is designed in such a way that by the practice of the mantra the aspirant or the practitioner of tantra is able to transform the structure of his mind and thereby he is able to liberate his energy
So mantra is a very important item in Tantra. About mantra many people know and many people practice, but they think it is really something that is religious. If it is Om, it is if it is Amin, it is either this or that. They have somehow identified the mantra with a particular religious system and have identified the mantra with a deity of a particular religion. In fact, it is not correct. We who are religious people in any religion have not been able to explain the spirituality of our religion. This is why the religion throughout centuries has suffered misinterpretation, has suffered misunderstanding, and also has suffered blackmailing. We have not been able to define the spiritual symbolism, the tantric symbolism of the deity in Sanskrit, in Tantra, the word is Deva, not the word God. Deva literally and etymologically means illumination. Therefore, when we talk about the mantra, we talk about a symbol, a symbol which represents illumination. And this illumination is nothing but the illumination of an experience. In each and every body, in each and every body, there are experiences in their psychic bodies, in their outer bodies, in their subliminal bodies. These experiences are in the form of consciousness. These experiences are in the form of a geometrical shape. They keep on moving in a circular motion and a triangular way. And these experiences are subject to experience only when the inner mind is able to cast illumination, light, on that experience. The inner body of every man is shrouded by darkness. On account of that darkness, which is known in our system of vidya, ignorance, that darkness which is shrouding, which is, which is enveloping our astral or subtle bodies does not allow us to experience things, does not allow to see, does not allow us to see. For example, if you are angry, you know you are angry, you feel you are angry, but you can you see it? 
it has a form. If you are worried, you know you are worried. You feel you are worried. But can you see the worry? Is worry abstract? Is worry formless? If fear, anxiety, happiness, etc. have a form, have you ever seen it? Yes, sometimes. During an absolute dream, the fear is symbolized. The passions are formulated. The anxieties are materialized in a form. So every experience has a form. Every experience on Bhava has a dimension. It may not be objective. It may not be gross like my body, like your body, or like this microphone and harmonium. But definitely every experience has some kind of density and some kind of existence. Just as the radio waves, electromagnetic waves, are not seen by me. My voice is heard by you, but you are not able to see it. I can feel my thought, but I cannot see it. Why? Because I am not able to cast light on that experience because the mind is not enlightened. And when the mind is enlightened, then it is able to cast the light on a particular experience, on the host of experiences. You can see your fears, you can see your knowledge, you can see your feelings, you can see your passions. You can see everything in a form. You can see that in a human form. You can see that in a geometrical form. You can see that in many, many forms. That is called Devata. That is the concept of Deva in Hindu philosophy, particularly Tantric philosophy. And therefore, the philosophy of Tantra is not pantheistic. Just because it talks of gods and gods and gods and gods, it is not pantheistic. We should not confuse the Tantra philosophy either with monotheism or with panentheism or with pantheism. They are all, they are all academic classifications. And they do not really matter in case of a sadhak, in case of an aspirant who is going deep into his own mind, into his own self. You have to know these two principles have to be separated in order to liberate the great force of the Shakti. And for the process of separation in Tantra, you have one principle called mantram and one principle called yantram and another principle called mandala. So, really it is, the whole thing goes like this, tantram, mantram, yantram and mandala. Mantra is a combination of sound vibration. Yantra is the 
formulation of energy in certain geometrical patterns and these forms which we always see or which we ask people to meditate upon, they are mandalas. They are able to cast this dissipated and the primitive and the rudimentary mental force into one single force. The whole thing is cast into one. And when the whole thing is cast into one, then it is dealt with. So, in our age, when we are just going ahead with our spiritual discoveries, with a great desire for realization and liberation, let us remember that Tanta system which believes that this life to which I am committed and in which I live and through which I have to go through is a part of spiritual life, is not something out of spiritual life. Nothing is rejected and nothing is suggested. Wherever you are and whoever you are, with your thoughts, with your mind, with the evolution where you are, with your properties and propensities, whether it is tamas or sattva or rajas, you start your spiritual evolution in order to reach the highest point in spiritual life. One does not have to make a departure from his own stand, from his own life. And the mantra which you have for yourself should be made a tool for this split and this liberation. I have written three books on this. There are very good books by Sir John Woodruff, by many other great scholars on the traditional system of Tantra. And in the ancient Hindu temples, all those wall carvings which are not liked by this schizophrenic society today, represent the core of Tantra. Its reality, you may not like it, but it is reality. You may not accept it, but it is reality. You may hate it, it is reality. You may condemn it by your religion, but still it is reality. Reality, reality transcends everything that man has made. And when we start these practices, we begin to feel that I must start from here. I don't have to get out of my life. And whatever is in me, that's enough. And whatever I am, that's my qualification. And with this existing pattern of my life, if I go on with my practices, there is no reason why I should have no realization. Illumination, a spiritual awareness, a self-realization call, what you say, is not confined to puritanistic philosophy or an orthodox religious life. But sure it is 
one has to view the whole life as a process to the ultimate evolution. One has to view the whole life as a process to evolution. And so all the philosophies, all the ways of life which have been teaching us in order to change and in order to change and in order to change and change for the sake of uh, realization, they don't stand anywhere in front of Tantra. They don't stand anywhere in front of Tantra because they say something which is impossible. Man cannot change unless the transformation takes place. Change without a transformation is hypocrisy. Change without a transformation is a stage show. And the transformation can never happen just through the mind. How can you change yourself through the mind? And who is changing? Transformation has to be effective in the very structure of the matter. And you can never tackle the matter unless you tackle the matter in its scientific aspect. How can you change man? How can you change me? I can behave as you want me to, but I will not change. To change in the intellect is not the change. To change the emotional pattern is not the change. And the transformation is in spontaneity, is this transformation, is a spontaneous expression of that great thing that's happening within us. Matter becomes energy, that's transformation, that's change. I becoming spiritually divine, that's transformation and that's change. That's where religions have failed. In their promises, thousands of people, for millions of years, because they have never cared for transformation. That's where the law has failed. That's where the legal orders have failed. That's where the political orders have failed. Because they want to change without transforming. And this transformation is the transformation in the basic structure of man. We have lived 50 years, and 40 years, and 60 years as a different man. But what am I within? And what are you within? Shrouded in clouds and darkness. And we lived an enlightened and cultured life outside. Well, that's not transformation. Tantra says that you should be honest and you should be true. You should not say that you have become a saint. I am not a saint. I am not a saint. But by that I'm not disqualified. Just because I'm not a saint, and just because I am not morally acceptable to the religious and scriptural codifications does not make me disqualified. I may be a saint, or I may be a rogue, or I may be a devout, I may be a drunkard, I may be a non-vegetarian, I may not even practice what you call the right way of religious life, but that does not disqualify me. If I have decided that I want to experience the great happening in spiritual life, and what is that great happening in spiritual life? That is the purpose of life. 
The spiritual purpose is life. The spiritual purpose of life. Why the man came? Why the whole cosmos is existing? What is this funny and fantastic drama for? Why some foolish creator must do all these kind of follies? What is this microcosmic blunder? What is this macrocosmic blunder? And where is going to lead us to? Yes, to one point. I'm sure to one point. For every man a day should come that he must know himself different from the matter of which he is aware now. You are aware of yourself. You are aware of your matter. You are aware of your mind. You are aware of your body. You are aware of many things, but that is all. You are aware of the matter. You are aware of the matter. You are aware of the gross matter. But the very soul of matter, but the very substratum of matter is Shakti. Shakti leaves the word Shakti. And that Shakti has to be seen as different from matter. That Shakti has to be seen as different from matter. And this matter is holding the Shakti in it. And this Shakti is the substratum of matter. They love each other so much. The realization of Shakti is the subject matter of Tantra. The realization, the liberation of Shakti is the subject matter of physics. And the acquisition of Shakti, the passion of every man today and yesterday and tomorrow. You know it, I don't want to tell you. Shakti is something which everybody is searching for. But in this very search for Shakti, sometimes we strike and fall, stumble against a wrong Shakti. And that puts us into trouble. The main subject of Tantra is Shakti. Therefore, they say, Yadevi Sarvabhuteshu, Vishnu Rupeyana Samsthita. Yadevi Sarvabhuteshu, Jnana Rupeyana Samsthita. Shraha-rupena samsthita, Trushti-rupena samsthita, Mukti-rupena samsthita, Namastasyai, 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 Namo Namo.